On the internet, we as consumers let big tech corporations like Facebook, Google and Amazon get away with a lot more than we would let any other company. This is primarily due to our unwillingness to give up the convenience that they provide, and these companies know this. Us doing this has fueled a whole entire economy where companies take note of everything we search and do online, turning it into profit through adverts and more malicious ways, and this is incredibly lucrative. In a moment, we'll take a look at what digital surveillance actually is and how it is impacting our day-to-day -day lives, both inside and outside. Then we'll discuss whether the benefits outweigh the disadvantages. In other words, do the ends justify the means? Stay tuned to find out more. Welcome to the Blowing Hot Air podcast, where we present the facts and information of current political issues and let you decide. I'm your host, Luke Wooding, and today we're discussing digital surveillance and the impact it has on us. Digital surveillance is an industry with unprecedented growth in the recent decades. David Lyon defines surveillance as the focused, systematic and routine attention to personal details for purposes of influence, management, protection or direction. This means that governments and corporations alike are tracking virtually everything you do online and using that information for their own benefit while we allow these tech giants to curb our civil liberties. And the only way we can act against it is by not using these platforms. Some of the ways surveillance has been used in today's society is separating the criminals from the innocent, the sick from the healthy, and the credit worthy from the credit risks. In a more traditional sense, however, this has evolved particularly due to the internet with the likes of data mining, tracking to incredible detail of our habits, searches and interests online. Defined by Alexandra Twin, data mining is a process used by companies to turn raw data into useful information by using software to look for patterns in large batches of data. Businesses can learn more about their customers to develop more effective marketing strategies, increase sales and decrease costs. And these companies harvest every bit of data they can, doing things like tracking the length we spend on certain pages, what links we're likely to click, and of course, your demographics, like your ethnicity, religion, nationality, gender, you know, there's a lot. And I can go on. Sounds pretty invasive, don't you think? One of the ways surveillance is used is through the use of data to optimize your user experience online generally for more successful digital advertising, however, sometimes it does benefit us. For example, Spotify uses its data to generate playlists of similar music to your tastes, while sites like Netflix, TikTok and Instagram, they use their data to suggest you content that is more likely for you to enjoy. Additionally, one of the very topical ways it's used is to prevent the further spread of the COVID-19 global pandemic as they are able to surveil mass populations, enforcing rules of social distancing and lockdown measures much better. Uh, they are able to identify individuals breaking the rules with facial recognition and users' location data. In addition to apps such as the NHS app, which we obviously have, um, which alerts individuals if they come into contact with someone who has tested positive with coronavirus, and it allows um, pubs and such like to be open for a lot longer period of time as they have this tracking system, allowing governments to measure the rate of coronavirus and whether or not they need to go into lockdown, either regional or national. Another way digital surveillance has been used in the modern world, and arguably to the benefit or to the detriment, 
you guys are the ones to decide that, not me, is the Chinese social credit system, otherwise known as the Sesame system. This Chinese social credit system is developed by an Alibaba affiliate company using their data and is a complex algorithm taking into account five major factors. Credit history, fulfillment capacity, personal characteristics, behavior and preference, and finally, interpersonal relationships. And this is a controversial one as this dictates what you say and do online on top of who your friends are in your social circle. I don't think I need to explain why it's controversial. And finally is the use of digital surveillance to clamp down on things like crime and terrorism using the facial recognition software on CCTVs, among also using the online data collected to track specific individuals of interest, monitoring um, both their activities and the activities of similar people in order to attempt to prevent them putting other people in harm's way. This leads to the question at hand. How many of these excuses are simply just excuses used by governments to increase control over their populations? And how many of them are actually beneficial for both the population and the government alike? Because at the end of the day, these measures are here to stay, no matter what the excuse. We asked two members of the public what they thought about this. Stay tuned to find out what they thought. It could be argued that the Chinese social credit system is successful, as it has been proven to work as evidenced by China's crime rate being one of the lowest in the world, ranging in the 30-point mark on the World Crime Rate Index. Despite this success, the question is furthermore raised, is the ends justified by the means? With this increasingly intrusive method of surveillance, rewarding certain behaviours and punishing other behaviours is very comparable to the Pavlov dogs experiment where Pavlov discovered you can socially condition dogs and program them to associate certain noises with their feeding times as dogs began to salivate after hearing the feeding bell at dinner. Furthermore, the question is raised, who decides what behaviour is acceptable and what behaviour is not acceptable? For example, playing games for 10 hours straight is considered by the Chinese social credit system as an idle person. However, if you become a celebrity with millions of followers and you make 10 times the amount of money that a doctor would make, does, are you still idle? Some of these esports athletes can even gain a bigger following than regular sports athletes. An example of that is uh, CSGO player Simple, who has amassed over 1.1 million Instagram followers. Despite this, according to the social credit system, a better path to take would be to raise a kid at a young age and become a father. This brings to my point that there is nothing that is undoubtedly good or bad. Therefore, why is there a system rewarding and punishing only specific behaviours? Because it simply benefits the state. Therefore, in this circumstance, the ends do not justify the means. We might think of the social credit system as incredibly intrusive and could not imagine it happening to the UK itself. But isn't it already? We already rate restaurants, movies, books, taxis, Ubers, and so on. Van Vollenhoven Institute at Leiden University, who published a comprehensive translation of the Chinese social credit system, compared it to quote-unquote Yelp reviews with a nanny state watching over your shoulder. Additionally, the UK is in fact the most surveilled state in the world, according to the Telegraph, with over one camera for every 14 people in London alone. These cameras have incredible facial recognition technology, both by the CCTV and social media sites, able to place your face among the vast waves of data. 
This has proven useful to catch criminals and terrorists alike, with an example being the domestic terrorist Boston Marathon Bomber in 2015 being caught due to the CCTV camera surveillance. Therefore, the means of which China has created the social system is not so far out of reach and outrageous when we look at our own system. In addition to this, another positive implication of surveillance is personal surveillance, otherwise known as surveillance. This is a powerful tool for holding authority to account, as seen by many of the footages um, recently, such as the beating of Rodney King in Los Angeles that sparked days of rioting and protesting for the Black Lives Matter. In addition to it benefiting crime and justice, for example, the 2013 Lee Rigby case, where bystanders pulled out their phones and recorded the incident, shortly catching the criminal after. Surveillance like this can also be used with the use of data, monitoring both individuals, platforms and groups uh, of extremist ideologies and potentially preventing certain crimes before they happen, therefore saving lives. However, this is at a detriment to individuals' privacy countrywide. The use of digital surveillance has especially had a significant impact on COVID-19 and controlling the spread of the pandemic, as China is yet again an example of how their strong control over surveillance benefited them to bring their country back up and running again. China has in fact been out of lockdown with life back to normal for many months. Cameras and facial recognition system coupled with their social credit system made it incredibly easy to track and register who is outside and breaking the lockdown rules. Additionally to using data on the citizen's phone both to enforce them to stay in, remind them and tracking their location. On top of that, there was things like the QR SOS scanners to get help if needed. In fact, this model is so successful that many countries across the world, such as Russia, has openly spoke about their increased digital surveillance to emulate the Chinese model of dealing with COVID. Therefore, digital surveillance has proved to be an indisposable tool for dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic spread.